presenting Tell Tales, Dakota Folk Life and Stories, a collection of narratives of shared personal experiences of those who live on the North Dakota Plains. In this episode, we hear from citizens of the Standing Rock Nation who share insights on Lakota music and culture as part of the Densmore Repatriation Project, an effort to return recordings of stories and songs made by Francis Densmore in the Dakotas in 1911. Indian boarding schools began as an effort to assimilate Indian children into mainstream American society. This was an attempt to eradicate indigenous cultures and began in 1819 with the passage of the Civilization Fund Act. Congressional passage of this act marked the beginning of the federally funded Native American boarding schools era, which lasted until 1978. Some 350 boarding schools were created in 30 states and had approximately 60,000 Native children enrolled. Memories of the boarding schools are still fresh in the mind of Standing Rock elders. My name is John Eagleshill Sr. I'm uh, originally from uh, Little Eagle, South Dakota. My grandmother, she's a survivor of uh, Carlisle. She lived in Bullhead, and then when they went, they rounded up all the kids, and they took them to McIntosh to the railhead. They put them on a train going east. And she says it was kind of surprising to her that in the train there were hundreds of other kids that they brought from further west. And they loaded them all on the train and took them east to Carlisle. That's where she met my, uh, my grandfather, Eagle Shield. He, he's a survivor of Carlisle, too. We chena toha ogna ichachmapi. My name is Mary Louise Defender Wilson, and I was raised as a Wichiana, one of the groups of the Dakota, Lakota people. You see so much in the papers today about the poor children who were taken away from their parents and sent to these boarding schools. Well, a lot was lost there when that happened. And some of us are fortunate that, you know, like my mother never went to a boarding school. She grew up at home, and she always would say how she went to this day school, which they had in Porcupine. She said, I'd go home and I would tell them because her, her mother and father did not speak English. Everybody else around did not speak English. So I'd tell them what they taught us in school. And I, I remember that even when I went to school, this Bering Strait business was always taught. So I guess they were taught that. So she went home. She told her her mother and father and the others was there. She said, today the teacher told us, we all came from the north. And she said, they told us that it was cold up there, so the water froze, so we crossed. And she said, they're fooling you. He said, they're telling you that so they could take the land away from you. <laughs> you weren't always here. 
<laughs> but, but see, that's the way that she grew up. You know, and then, of course, none of us went to boarding school as children either. So this is how we're, you know, we still have, to have that part of our, our teaching, our language, and plus the other beliefs that we have about things. Virgil taken alive. The discussion would go around the table, and um, that's when Dad said, that's why we didn't speak Lakota, because of the punishment that we received and not being allowed to speak. And getting hit with a ruler or a yardstick, that hurt. Being made to stand against a wall, that hurt. Later in life, after the um, Indian Freedom Religion Act was passed in 1978, especially since then, we started learning more of that history. But up until that point, myself, speaking for myself, I never knew a way of prayer that we had as Lakota existed because everybody in church wouldn't pray in Lakota. They would pray in English, but they would sing songs in Lakota. So that's all documented. And from there, our people went from violent oppression into assimilation. And it's kind of force in order for us to survive. So they put all this stuff away. So now I have a different concept of where we are as a people and learning back what we had lost or thought we had lost to where we are now. And from the time of 1978, it hasn't been that long, 44 years. And we've made a lot of, lot of steps, but we still have a lot more to go in the fact of the younger ones really truly understanding what we have, what was given to us, and what we still have, regaining that knowledge of who we were in our identity because we lost it, lost a lot of it. This knowledge that we had and we're acquiring again is very important to bringing Wolakota throughout the world. Wolakota being meaning, in this case, peace. And acquiring that peace and dispelling these veils of ignorance and getting back to that foundation, the hutka, the root of what we were given, and why we didn't just survive, but why we thrived. Produced in partnership with Dakota Legacy, this project is supported in part by a grant from the North Dakota Council on the Arts, which receives funding from the North Dakota State Legislature and the National Endowment for the Arts.